Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast. My name is Eli Hoff and I'm the Mizzou sports beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. Coming to you uh, from the Dallas, Texas area today. We're down here at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, if you hear a little ambiance in our podcast episode today, that's what because we're recording on scene. We're not recording from Missouri anymore. We're recording on scene here adjacent to Radio Row here at the media headquarters at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have all of you listening and joining in today. And it's also a pleasure to be joined by my fantastic colleague, another of our columnists at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Benjamin Hockman. Benjamin, you, you got into Dallas pretty early this morning, I think. How was the journey? How are you feeling about the game coming up on Friday night? Man, I, in all honesty, I couldn't sleep last night because I was really excited about coming here um, for this game. You know, I've, I've, I went to Mizzou. I followed Mizzou from afar when I was at the Denver Post and the New Orleans Times-Picayune. Now that I'm back helping out in our coverage of Mizzou, it, it, you know, it's a big part of my, of my sports world. And this is pretty significant, what we've got going on here, this Cotton Bowl uh, game. It is, and that's one of the things that just is is striking about this game. That sort of offhand, I feel like I and some of the other writers on this beat, we've been calling it the biggest game that Mizzou has played in a decade, and we could just kind of throw that out there because it feels like this season has been full of some of those moments. I think back to the Georgia game, you know, even even going into it, I wouldn't say necessarily in a decade, but that LSU game going into it was a very big game too. And it's it's sort of weird how so quickly this season we've become used to Mizzou playing in big games again I and you know I wasn't around for for those 2013-2014 days but just you know what has been your takeaway as far as just the magnitude of this game for Mizzou well there's no question that it is the crowning achievement for a great season now if they lose 53 to 3 it's still a pretty great season that that's the only thing um that's the only caveat about this game like of course they're trying to win and we're gonna hold them accountable if they don't but it would have been a bigger deal if they had lost the Florida game or something like that. But just in general, I, I step back and I, I think to July and August heading into the season and what I and others thought would be realistic expectations for this team. And I remember writing a column like, man, if he doesn't win seven games, like I don't think he's going to be the coach next year. And he clearly <laughs> uh, exceeded that to his credit. And oh, by the way, uh, pulled together a top 25 recruiting class. It's it's remarkable that I was pulling some information for a story earlier this week. Going into this year, Eli Drinkwitz had a losing record at Mizzou. He was seventeen and nineteen as a coach going into this year, and and you're right that that it it felt from outside the program like yeah, if something didn't happen this year, he was on the hot seat. Now I don't think this is what needed to happen. I think eight wins would have kept him around and he would have been fine. He just you know went for the extra credit and the <laughs> bonus points, but this this season, this game feels like the sort of spotlight that can alter the course of a program right now. Will it change it for 20 years? No. Does it turn Mizzou into an Ohio state? No, but it means something in that context. And that's where I, I come back to Mizzou being 
lucky is a, a strange word to use here, but being fortunate to be playing Ohio State, that they get to go up against a powerhouse program, because I, I don't think going into this game, Mizzou could lose on the field, but I don't see a way that Mizzou comes away from this week as a losing program by any means. There, yeah. There's only They only stand to gain from this game. If you go and you lose to Ohio State, there's not a whole lot of shame in that. Mizzou very much has a chance in this game, and so if they if they lose, you know, fans feeling disappointment, I think, is totally valid. It's this this Tigers team has been strong enough that you, your expectation that they produce a good result is justified. Yeah. But th- this is there's momentum, there's a, a legacy for some of these guys who this will be their last game. All of that means something, and it, no matter if Mizzou's playing around this time again next year, okay, cool, it means something. But, but even if they're not, this is going to be a, a game that people will talk about for years to come. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's the thing. If, if they had gotten has gotten a word gotten they they had received a bid to play against liberty it um it would have been very deflating yeah it still would have been a pretty big bowl game and there'd be a payout and national tv and the whole thing but there's just something about ohio state and that scarlet and knowing that woody hayes once roamed those sidelines the whole thing um that kind of just gives this thing even more credence and, and that's what's exciting and you mentioned the momentum uh I mean, the schedule's out for next year. I mean, there's a lot of W's on there, uh, the optimist would say. So you talk about stepping stone. If they win this game and they head in, even if they lose the game, it's still we played against Ohio State in a bowl game. If they win this game, we beat Ohio State in a bowl game heading into next year. And But, but of, of course, what this game truly is is a showcase for um, kind of like the, the last hurrah of some of these, these, these great Mizzou players, notably Kobe Schrader, who finished eighth in the Heisman voting. It is, and and it's it's this is a story that that might be out by the time a lot of you are listening to this podcast. But but I'm writing about some of the players who've made decisions to stick with this program through those six and seven years, and and are receiving this as their reward as they close out their careers, and that's what's remarkable to me about this team because there are there are hot shot teams that you see in college football that just happened to they had one good recruiting class that sort of carries them they had a couple transfers who hit you know i even think i I don't want to it's a cross-sport analogy and i don't want to knock what dennis gates did with mizzou basketball you look at what mizzou basketball was last year that was a program that was you know benefited from some transfers coming and having an immediate impact the right transfers. the right transfers yes the right position at the right time yeah which is it's a very it's a very modern college sports team Mm -hmm. and that's credit to dennis gates for that this mizzou football team is a very old school roster build of you've got guys who you know i mean chad bailey's first he's not playing but his his first year at mizzou was 2018 you've got guys from the 19 class yeah. you got guys from the 20 class you've got luther burden from the from the 21 class you've got some transfers but it, it's it's a very old school class and and that's not to say that eli trinkles isn't even an old school coach he he embraces the transfer portal mm-hmm. at his press conference today he was embracing nil and and you know talking about some of the changes he wants to see with college sports but it's just remarkable to see this all pay off for Mizzou in this way. Yeah, and and, and you, we all know the Cody Schrader story, but uh, and we all know the Brady Cook story too. But I was going to point out this Brady Cook trajectory and uh, his play a few years ago uh, in the bowl game. If I if I'm recalling that correctly, it's kind of like a, a kickoff to his career. And uh, and now here we are with him being a kind of a kind of player that no, no matter what happens in in the game. I think in the preseason, he's going to be a Heisman candidate next year. And, and and that, again, is an extraordinary turn of events for a Mizzou team that needed and 
seven wins just to keep the coach's job, you know, four months ago, five months ago. It is when it's it's a fun full circle sort of moment for for Brady because his that that bowl game straight you're referring to was the Armed Forces Bowl, which wasn't played too far from here yeah, in, in the yeah. Dallas area. So that's fun for him. And and I was saying to someone else earlier today of of I, I don't I don't try to get into the NFL draft stuff too much. There are people who that's their specialty and, and that's awesome. Credit to them. But it, it feels to me that Brady Cook with a good season next year could be playing himself into the NFL because you look at next year, I think he's going to be in that top tier of SEC QBs who you expect coming back. And if you're a top two, top three, maybe even top four SEC quarterback, you, you're going to get an NFL look, right? Not saying he's going to be going in and starting for somebody and you know going to be going in your fantasy leagues, but he's he's someone who will certainly should have a role in that situation. And that's just remarkable when you look at, you know, I know the the kind of he was getting booed during the starting lineup. Like th- that storyline is sort of tried at this point, but that's that's where this all was a few months ago. Well, I mean, I was at that game, you know, Ben Fred, who's been on your podcast, he and I, as Colin was kind of switch off who goes to what game. I was at the game before the Kansas State game where they barely won. And it was one of those performances where it's like, it counts as a win in the win column, but gosh, there were more negatives than positives. And Brady Cook that, was a negative yeah, in that game. That Middle Tennessee game was a mess. That was one where he had the the safety that was he was trying to throw away and it rolled yeah. up. Yeah, that that felt like almost it, it could have been a game that just was a microcosm of a season that that fell apart. And it it wasn't. That was, in all honesty, you know, I, I think that was an even lower point than either the LSU or the Georgia loss. Yeah, <laughs> it was strange oh, yeah. when you look back on it. Yeah, and and there was booming, and 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 the reality was that. Yeah, that was the game where you look at how did they respond to adversity? Uh, how did they bounce back? But but yeah, I mean, this this sport is crazy, right? We talk about momentum. We talk about coaching. We talk about all these things. But like you if if, if they lose that game and Nevis misses the 83 yard field goal, you know, where are we right now? And then last year, if was it Nate Pete doesn't fumble the ball on the goal line at Auburn and they make one or two stops against Georgia. We're talking about last season being. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm I'm not trying to you know, poo-poo on anything from this year. But I'm just pointing out that this is a very, very uh, thin line sport where uh, trajectories can change very quickly. And and one of the other just sort of, again, I I keep the word lucky. I'm going to say it too many times today. But again, just, you know, fortunate, beneficial, under the radar positives has been that Mizzou's offensive line stayed healthy this entire season. That there was a, a little bit of Marcellus Johnson getting action there, but that was more voluntary of them trying some six lineman looks. Uh, EJ and Doma Olgar came in during that Arkansas game when Armand Membu got ejected. Otherwise, this offensive line has has been the same, and that that doesn't happen in football at any level. I think even down to, to high school games, sure. because, you know, things happen to offensive linemen. Unfortunately, they're they're credit to them for playing in the trenches and doing what they do. Well, let's also talk about the storyline with that offensive line. How they looked pretty bad early on, and there was talk about how they would be uh, the weakest link on offense, and we're going to keep Mizzou from succeeding offensively. Now they're up for that national award, and or we're up for the national award, and and we're talking about Javon Foster, kind of as a, as a Missouri football legend, you know, in in modern times, uh, with all the games he's played and, and all the uh, the blocks he's made. And, and you're looking at a lot of young guys on there, Armand Membu and Connor Tolleson, who have both been fantastic blockers. This was their second years of college football. They yeah, got more yeah. to go. This the foundations there for this offensive line. But Benjamin, I want to switch into the the game itself here, talking about the Cotton Bowl. Uh, you know, I've I've you you've had the uh, the disservice of only getting here today, whereas I've had a couple of days of, of prep and talking to folks here. But you know, what's uh what's your sense of just 
Ohio State's in a, in a weird spot where they lose one game to Michigan and suddenly the season kind of goes off the rails by Ohio State standards, whereas this is a a, a ceiling type game for Mizzou totally. as, as a program. You know, what, what's your sense on maybe what you're expecting to see from each team in terms of mentality and energy when they kick off on Friday night? Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are thinking what I'm about to say, but the, the reality is uh, from a psychological standpoint, this game is a destination, an, an achievement uh, for Mizzou, a mountaintop experience. For Ohio State, it's a, it's a consolation prize. And we're seeing it in everything from how many Ohio State players aren't playing in the game to how many tickets Ohio State did not sell uh, for its its you know fan sections, whereas Mizzou sold out, if you will, in a matter of minutes or whatever the time duration was. So, yeah, I mean, all right, so what does that mean? It's, it's, it's third and 11, Mizzou's got the ball, and Luther just wants it more than the cornerback. I mean, I don't know because he's, you know, I don't know if it comes down to like something like that, but it – Heading into the game, of course, this is a storyline that that must be pointed out. Well, it is, and and I think you're you're right to point out that it's something that that I don't think will show up in every second of the game on every play. But it's something that when you boil this down to three or four key plays, which it really could come down to, these teams are very sure, evenly matched. Sure. It, it could come down to you know that extra edge, and Mizzou has players who have demonstrated that all season long of you think of just how good of a contested catch maker Luther Burden is how good Cody Schrader has been at you know it comes back to that hit against Tennessee where he just gets absolutely popped and just bounces right back up even Brady Cook he played through bending his knee the wrong way in that K-State game and I think he was out for two whole plays all of that those sorts of that toughness and that edge that Mizzou has they already I think have an advantage coming in with that that's not a knock on Ohio State that's just one of Mizzou's positive traits but when you when you add in the desire component of this, the reward component of this, all of a sudden that matters a lot. Ohio State's in a, in a weird period of transition where it's it's not even necessarily that they're in one of those bowl games where it's like, all right, this is kind of an early spring game. Like, here's the next generation. Yeah. You know, show us what, you know, you're the wide receiver four. Show us what you can do as the wide receiver two if we give you that role next year. Because with Devin Brown, the, the quarterback who's going to start for them after Kyle McCord transferred. Number 33, by the way. Number what 30, is yeah, that? Yeah. Well, in, in, <laughs> there's, a, there's a weird part of my brain that, that wishes Sam Horn was playing this game. So it could be number 21 versus number 33 as a quarterback battle. Because I, I, there's no way that's ever happened in college right. football before. No way. Right. No way. Uh, but it will not. It will be 12 versus 33, conventional versus sure. a running back member. But, uh, but I interrupted you, though. No, 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 no. It's, that's fine. That's fine. It, it's an interesting storyline. And Devin Brown was asked about it yesterday. Uh, it's been interesting watching Ohio State media. He got just absolutely grilled for about 45 minutes straight yesterday. I felt bad for the kid. Uh, but it, he's in a weird spot where he lost a quarterback competition coming into the season. He's a second-year guy, but stuck around. It was, still played some snaps. There were some red zone packages because he's a bit of a runner. And then now he's, he's, he's going to make his first college start in the cotton bowl <laughs> against the Mizzou defense, which is a formidable bunch. Darius Robinson. Great dude. Love chatting with him. Christian Williams. Great dude. Love chatting with him. Would not want to make my first college start with right. on the other side of the ball. Just <laughs> not at all. Not at all. You know, would, would not want to get hit by any of Mizzou's linebackers, even with Hopper and Bailey out, just wouldn't want to deal with that, but he's going to do it and credit to him for that. But he's, he's not, it's not even that he's the heir apparent to this because of the transfer portal. Yeah. He's going to have to go in and compete again for his job in spring camp. He's going to have to do it again in fall camp. And then, you know, He's obviously got a chance to maybe secure pole position in that competition sure. for next year. But so it's, it's weird in that he's having to demonstrate that with, with some of their personnel. They've got Marvin Harrison Jr., who, you know, best wide receiver in college football, you can now say with some of the awards he's gotten being a Heisman finalist, he still hasn't been officially ruled out for this game, but he's not practicing and, and all the kind of waffling there. And, yeah. and you know, 
you imagine that some sort of decision has been communicated internally in there. You know, I don't think it's going to be that they're going to go. The coin toss is not going to determine whether or not Marvin Harrison <laughs> right. is going to suit up in this game. I don't and think he'd play. I can't. Imagine I, I can't imagine either. And, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. but I'll, we'll leave it ambiguous because at the time we're recording oh, yeah, Thursday yeah. afternoon, that's that's the, the case right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if you know it, it leaks out before then. But there's Ohio State's just in, in such a weird spot with all of that. That is not quite a send off. Not quite a showing of what's to come. It, it cues up competition. It, that all just again feels like something Mizzou can take advantage of in this. Yeah. The flip side, of course, is these are all like four and five star dudes for Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they are. And yeah. the backup, whomever, and the third string, whatever, is still a guy that if Missouri had the chance to get him two years ago as a as a high school recruit, the Tigers would have would have of course taken him. So yeah, I, like you said, I think it's going to be a close game. I think Ohio State hangs around, but I think the Missouri Tigers will win the Cotton Bowl. I, I think so too. I think so too. We'll be asking you for prediction later, so I'll hold off on the specific score. Or will no. they lose the Cotton Bowl? Well. Which keep it, keep it ambiguous. It's like Marvin Harrison Jr. status for yeah, this game. Got to listen to the, to the end of this. So one of the, the things that I'll really be watching is how Blake Baker calls this game. Because it's he's going against, again, a quarterback who there were 72 snaps of tape this year. 72 snaps. That's that's about what a team will play in a game. Though That's a, kind of a bad comparison because it's they're scattered all around in different situations. Sure. And he's going against the quarterback making his first start in an atmosphere that should be pro-Mizzou. You know, it'll there'll be a, a good size of Ohio State contention, but it should be mostly Mizzou fans. To to me, that seems like a scenario that I can just imagine Blake Baker sitting back in his office, you know, feet up on the desk with the the tape right there doing a freeze frame and just twiddling his thumbs like this is where we're gonna get the kid. Yeah. I, am I crazy for thinking that this could just be a Mizzou defensive just chaos feast? Not that they're necessarily going to shut out the Buckeyes or anything, but that they're pulling out all the stops. This is where the defense is going to really try to do its thing. Yeah, Blitzen Blake Baker is a top defensive coordinator in the United States. Uh, it really is a, a neat thing. It's kind of funny for me since uh, Small World, I covered the uh, 2002, 2003, 2004 Tulane Green Wave for the New Orleans newspaper, the Times-Picayune. And guess who was the undersized uh, linebacker for Tulane? Blake Baker. Uh, you know, nice enough kid at the time. I never would have thought he'd become a defensive guru, but here he is. A defensive guru and yeah he's you're right mad scientist watching the film like how how should we exploit these these uh you know i don't say inexperienced ohio state players but some of them are yeah i think it's going to be a bunch of fun to watch mizzou play in this game now we do need to point out that rake straw and some other key guys from missouri won't be out there as well no they will and and that's where you know i it's unfortunate for both Ennis Rakestraw and Tyron Hopper, of course, and Chad Bailey, though though he's been out for a while, that they won't get to play in this game and kind of get get that send off. But this these are also absences that Mizzou should be able to manage mm-hmm. pretty well because they've played without. Well, of course, Bailey at this point just hasn't hasn't been much of a factor in this team. They played without Hopper for for the yeah. last two games of the season. They played without Rakestraw for the last game and for earlier on. I know he didn't suit up against Memphis, and I, I think there's another game that he might have. Not play, but now I'm blanking. So it, it's big for Tristan Newsom, who's going to fill in for Hopper. And again, we'll be returning next year and, and should have that spot. You'd think it, it's it's big for Drayden Norwood, who's been that other corner. And and so it, it also, in that way, makes it a big game for Chris Abrams Drayden, mm-hmm. who's using this as sort of his his showcase game, his last chance to put things on tape, whether or not Marvin Harrison plays. Right. 
do teams throw at him? I, I've seen some some discourse out there that teams actually avoided throwing to Rakestraw more than they avoided throwing to Chris Abrams Drain, which you know, and I don't know, you can you can make of how teams have mm-hmm. made those decisions and, and how much they actually think into that, right? What you will, but it, it feels like a, a chance for a statement game from him. And yeah. and I also just wonder with the defensive line too, with some of the rotation there. You know, this is a last game for Darius Robinson. All these guys who are getting their send-offs, it, it feels like a big day for them. Right. And that comes back to the psychological aspect of this. Like Darius is not gonna take a playoff. No. I'm not saying he did take a playoff in insert game here, but he sure as heck isn't gonna take one off uh in, in this game. And and that's that's exciting, of course. By the way, where where in the the the, the team name on the back for his name, that was a unique thing and a very that, cool was, awesome. Thing. that was awesome. Uh and the fact that he's not from the state of Missouri yet has now claimed Columbia Mizzou as home to that level. What a special thing. And uh, you, you mentioned Chris Abram. Yeah, I mean, you look at some NFL mock drafts, Rake Straw is the one who's in the first round. So yeah, may, may, maybe they're, they're on it. You're on to something there with the fact they didn't throw at Rake Straw. But I, I, if we had Chris Abrams drain here right now, he would probably tell us, I want to go against Harrison Jr. A hundred percent of it. A hundred percent. Yeah, but he'll probably be going against some guy i've never heard yeah probably probably on the other side of the ball with mizzou's offense it, it the season has been a progression from early on in the season it was the luther burden show and not that it ever really stopped being that but the, those kind of injuries some of the knocks he took you know the scouting report seemed to be try to hit him hard and, and that just you know he's a tough guy but that that takes a toll on a, on a player no matter what and then you also look at uh, with with cody schrader than him emerging so late on in the season and taking some of the the knocks of his own Benjamin, do you have a feel on on which of the two you expect to be the focal point? This is an offense that likes to establish the run, but those big shots, they have to be there at times. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're going to go to Cody early and often just to see how much he's got left in the tank. Uh, Again, keep bringing up the psychological aspect of it, but here's a guy that's probably going to be running harder than he's ever run before uh, a situation like this. And I bet he's got a chip on his shoulder. Now, he's always had a chip on his shoulder. Then he came out of the womb with a chip on his shoulder, (laughs) but not winning that... uh, that award for the top running back in the nation. He should have won that. No offense. If Ollie Gordon Jr. or the second or any of the Ollie Gordon family are listening to your podcast, but yeah, no, uh, Schrader should have won that award. So I'm sure you have the chip on the shoulder to prove that. And he'll be on national TV going against the top defense. So I think they, they, they go to him early, but yeah, of course, Luther Burden's going to get some targets in the, uh, in the cotton. Bowl. Yeah. And, and one of the players I'll just be interested to see when this team gets in the red zone, what they look to do there. Cause Cody Schrader has been, so good at scoring from that 10 to 15 yard range right there where you just hand it off and he finds a hole and he pounces. But at the same time, it, it feels almost criminal to not throw to Theo Weiss yeah. just because of what he's able to do with those contested catches. I love, it's one of my favorite quotes of the whole season. I'd ask him about that. And I just said, you know, what, what helps you win those 50, 50 balls? And he goes, they're 80, 20s for me. Golly, just that, that, great that, confidence, that confidence, <laughs> you know, like it, it's hard to not want the ball going to him. In yeah. The red zone. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's, he's been a fun quote. I remember talking to him a couple times over the years or over the year, of course. Um, Yeah, I mean, that Mizzou, for much of the year, was one of the top red zone efficient teams in in college football. And why? Because they had numerous weapons and the aforementioned offensive line held their own. Yeah, and and you don't feel too bad if if Harrison Mubis has to come in and mop things up there either. Though uh, field goals won't beat Ohio State, I feel pretty safe saying that. Now, incidentally, a quick caveat. I saw on Twitter today, we were in different places working. You went to the football field and you stood 50 yards from the goalpost, uh, kind of getting in that vantage yeah. point. 
Um, what was that like? Did you did you feel like like Mevis at that moment? Yeah, well, well, I I felt a lot less confident. Than I'm sure Mevis did standing there, but it, it's been we've gotten to go inside AT and T Stadium a few times here as as media and watch Mizzou practice. And today we just we got there a little before these big press conferences and and just sort of wandered out on the field, seeing if we'd be told get off my lawn, <laughs> and and we weren't. Jerry Jones did not tell us Jerry to get Jones. off his lawn, so uh, there we there we stood on his lawn, and and you know yeah, I, I went and stood on, on the forty yard line and looked, and I took a picture and, and posted it to Twitter just because. It's weird every time you step into a football field, it feels small okay. because that's when you start to realize that one yard is only 36 inches, yeah. right? Where you you look and you're like, we well, had yeah, no wonder the touch push works. All I got to do is fall forward right to here, right? Yeah. But it gives you that much more of an appreciation of the physicality. It's different when you're kicking, though, because the field goal posts look narrow. Yeah, They look so narrow. So okay. I, I was standing there and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking just very naively, like, Oh, yeah, like I could see how you could kick it this far, mm. right? But kicking it with any sort of accuracy, kicking in a straight line, kicking it through there. And then I was also just noticing with AT&T Stadium in particular, and, and this is something that I hope we actually get to talk to Harrison about because I want to ask him now. You've got so many different things you could aim for, kind of reference points oh, okay. behind the end zone. You've got the, the all-state hands logo in the net there, which seems like a logical one. But behind that, you have sponsorship signs. I think it says AT&T Stadium behind one of them. So it's like, okay, you could aim for the A in stadium and get a little more height on it. And then there's going to be fans there doing all sorts of things. There's a jumbotron and, and you know, jumbotron screens there. You've got AT&T Stadium has these really nice windows that'll be letting. I guess it probably won't be much natural light in with a 7 p.m. kickoff. But it, it's I, I'm going to be curious what some of the kind of visual stimuli yeah, are yeah. for a kicker there. But it uh it. it the kick didn't look particularly easy when I was standing there. Sure. I was glad that there were no footballs around, so that I was even tempted to to try it. I think right. it's for the best if I just <laughs> uh, take my take my picture and move on. Yes. Uh, and and of course, the crazy thing too is that fifty is not that far for Harrison Mevis. Right. I couldn't even easily spot where to stand for sixty one because it's the middle of the logo. It's just it's it's crazy what he's been able to do. But yeah. All right. Well, Benjamin, we're getting close to wrapping up here. So we okay. have to hit our quick three segment. It's late in the game. We need a quick three. You've quick heard about three. the segment. It's time to put you through the paces. It's about it all around St. Louis. I'll stop in a coffee shop. They're like, you know Eli, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, the guy with the quick three. Yeah, this is this is the quick three, the world famous quick three. All right. So we're going to start off. We're going to keep it focused on the game here. The first part of the quick three. Who is your Mizzou offensive X factor for the Totten Bowl? Ah, it's going to be Luther Burton. I just, I, I love, love the idea of this of this guy and in, in, in a big moment spotlight shine. I've been working on a story about him and everybody I talked to said he loves these big moments. He rises to the moment. So yeah, throwing the ball. When he had, he came into his immediate availability with the, the flashy sunglasses, you know, he he's ready for this sort of thing. This is the Luther burden yeah. environment. This is what he craves. Totally. All right. Then on the other side of the ball, your second part of the quick three Mizzou's defensive X factor. That's a great question. There could be a lot of them, but I mentioned them earlier. Darius Robinson, I mean, the, the, re the reality is, like, he is a beast. He is playing football at a high level, and this is his last hurrah for Mizzou. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching him uh, pummel somebody very hard. And then to close this out, you tipped your hand a little bit on this one, but your game result and score prediction for the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I, I just think Mizzou's going to win this game, and I think it's going to be close. I'm not discrediting Ohio State, but I think it's going to come back to just the want-to aspect of it, and that goes into practices, that goes into preparation, the whole thing. And uh, I think Mizzou wins the game. I'm going to go with – I'm just coming off the top of my head, maybe like a maybe like a 31-27. All right. That'd be that'd be an entertaining game to, yeah. to watch. That high scoring. I could see it happening. All right, folks. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy watching the Cotton Bowl, whether you're uh, watching it here in the Dallas area, watching it at home in St. Louis, Kansas City, Columbia, wherever, uh, wherever you're tuning in from. 
Uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast. We always appreciate it when you rate, review, like, subscribe, do all of the little buttons that are on your phone. Uh, we always appreciate when you uh, take care of those for us. Uh, we will be off next week. I'm taking some time off after the Cotton Bowl. I'm looking forward to it. This season has been a grind. Sure. So we'll be back uh, in in, uh, in early January to talk a little bit of Mizzou men's basketball SEC play, get back with all of the, the Mizzou storylines back then. Thanks for listening, y'all. Enjoy the rest of your day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.